This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Live your life with love. Lift people up. Share, uh, tell somebody what they're doing right versus what they're doing wrong. Welcome everyone to the Jeff Mara podcast. If you're listening to this podcast on Spotify or Apple or in your car, I just want to let you know that there is a version of this on YouTube. So if you'd like to watch the video, come to Jeff Mara podcast on YouTube. Today's guest is Janet Tarantino. Janet has had three near-death experiences, and she writes about them in her book, Dying to See, Revelations About God, Jesus, Our Pathways, and the Nature of the Soul. And today we're going to find out about Janet's NDEs. Janet, welcome to the podcast, and thank you so much for joining me. Oh, thank you, Jeff. I'm glad to be here. I'm always excited to talk about this subject. Great. My audience is really into NDEs, so let's just start right at on the day of your very first one. Okay. I uh, um, I was ill. I was When I was around 15, I uh, was before I was going to high school. I was transitioning from middle school to high school, and they offer an orientation day at the high school um, uh, to get people used to, the kids used to the new facility and locate their uh, classes and meet their teachers if they want to and get their schedules, lockers, et cetera. And I was really looking forward to going to that because high school was the dating age for me, you know, the, during that generation. And I was looking forward to the school dances and everything that happens there. And uh, uh we, our family, our extended family, the larger one, aunts and uncles, everybody, cousins, went on a picnic previous to the weekend previous to this. And um, I don't know if I got sick because of food poisoning, but it was a couple of days after that. So I would imagine food poisoning would have happened immediately. Um, or if it happened to be uh, uh, mom heard a week after that, after I, after I was better, not a week after, because it was extended length of time. Um, she heard on the news that uh, that there was E. coli in the water at the park. And so it, maybe it was that. I'll never know, but I was sick. I was really sick. And so mom removed my uh, sister from the bedroom so that she could sleep with me and, and take care of me. And uh, one of the days that we had went to bed, um, I was laying in bed and lights were out and I looked up at the ceiling and, and I felt dizzy and, and then I felt like I fell, but I was laying in bed. So I believe I fell out of my body. Hmm. It was my mm -hmm. spirit that fell out of my body. And I blinked and looked up at the, cause I felt like a person at that time. Uh, and I blinked and looked up at the ceiling, but the ceiling turned to clouds. Everything turned to clouds, swirling clouds. And then in the left side of the ceiling, a uh, another swirling motion occurred. And then there was uh, an opening to another world. And there was also another opening in the right side of the room, opening up to another uh, part of the world. And I, I could see in the left one... Um, that there was a sumo wrestler 
there. And he was sitting at a, a white table watching me. He was uh, in a white light and he was dressed in white. And he, all he did was look at me and watch me. He never took his eyes off me. Uh, even when he got up and walked around the table, although it looked like it was on fast motion, like a film flipping at the end. Uh, so that uh, was, I thought was rather weird, but um, there's an explanation for that. And then um, I looked at the other hole and I saw a beautiful, beautiful woman floating in and on the most beautiful music that you can imagine. And she stood there. And I was previous to um, high school, my brothers and, my, and I and my cousins uh, worked detasseling corn so that we could earn money for whatever we wanted. And I wanted to buy new clothes for high school. So my, I was, uh, my fashion sense was in high gear. When I saw her beautiful white dress, I wanted to look at her dress and just the intention of me wanting to look at her dress. I was up at her dress and I was looking at it. I was looking through the eyelets and the eyelets were huge. It was like, and the, the thread has designs of their, of its own. And I, I flew in and out of those eyelets as if I, I could feel my hair <laughs> in spiritual form. I could feel my hair blowing behind me like I was a skier going down a, uh, a hill, uh, weaving around those poles that, that they weave around for, for races. And uh, then I came back around. I must have went around her entire dress. Uh, I can, I think, but anyway, then I settled back down to where my body was, but I realized that I was not in my body because I was at the level of the window and, uh, which was a couple of feet above the bed. So obviously I was hovering above, uh, above my body. The, uh, um, I felt like I could jump through these holes and I wanted to jump through these holes like you do in, in field track and field because I, I was in track and field when I was younger too. And, uh, but something was stopping me from doing so. Um, I didn't see the beautiful lady's face at the time uh, because she was talking to the sumo wrestler telepathically, obviously, because I was not included in the conversation. And the, I thought of the beautiful lady as, as a music box lady. That's what I could associate it with at that time. I thought of her as a music box lady, but I also thought of her as daddy's little girl. Mm -hmm. And at one point she moved up in a way and I thought, oh, I didn't want to see her to go. But, uh, and I thought that daddy was putting her up on a pedestal. And eventually she came back, talked to the sumo, sumo wrestler again. And then all of a sudden they, flipped into orbs they they transformed into light orbs and they blew they flew either through me or around me i don't know but all of a sudden they were behind me and they hovered there for a minute and then they flew through the wall and i could see them fly around the the corner of the house uh to the side window as if i had x-ray vision um i've noticed in the ndes that 
everything kind of liquefies and you can see through uh, items. Uh, uh, as I'll tell you it, uh, about another one. Um, they hovered in the window and uh, until one left, the one that stayed must have been the sumo wrestler that was watching me all the time. And then the, the other one came back and they both left. Um, I realized from this, uh, because I analyzed the situation later, and the reason I was not, the, that the, the sumo wrestler was on fast speed was because he was in a different dimension. But once I was in his dimension, then he became a normal speed because there was a point in time uh, that he was uh, normal walking around. And uh, I believe he was what they call a watcher angel is in the Bible that mm -hmm. always just watches you and protects you. So I, and and I find out later that that is uh, that was my guide that was there to protect me. And that, that's interesting how I found that out, too. Um, I went to a medium to study to study telepathy, why, how they get this information, and if, if this was true. And I was led to this particular medium, uh, James Demos, and come to find out, this was much later in life, mm -hmm. he, connects, he, he connects with your uh, um, your angelic being, the, your guide. Mm -hmm. And when he connected with me, he said, oh my gosh, you must, uh, I, I don't see this very often. I see a sumo wrestler. I said, oh my gosh, I saw him when I was young. And um, he said, well, he knew that this was going to happen. And he said, you, he, you can't articulate his real name, so you can call him Fung, F-U-N-G. Mm -hmm. So, that's what I call him is Fung, and he's always there to protect me. That's how I found that out. The beautiful lady that that I thought of as um, the the music box lady and um, Daddy's little girl was actually my daughter, mm -hmm. uh, but she was not going to be conceived or born till fifteen years later. Mm -hmm. So this shows that that there are that we work with other spirits in, in this life. Mm -hmm. I must've had a contract to be her, her mom. Mm -hmm. So if I died that night, she wouldn't have been born. And she wanted to remind me uh, of this, uh, of this contract. And I believe that I must've been uh, involved in this conversation and some level, but erased from my mind because of how I thought of her as daddy's little girl. Um, because if I had retained that memory, I would have always been wondering, where's the father of this little, beautiful little girl? Mm -hmm. Is this the man that I'm supposed to be with? You know, I would be doubting everything, all my decisions on who, who I would, would date and be with. Mm -hmm. And, uh, um, so I think that's why they erased it from my mind. Mm -hmm. Um, but this shows that certain things are planned in our life, like her being my daughter. Mm -hmm. I didn't. The reason I found out she was my daughter is because many years later, I was at my mom and dad's place and on their refrigerator was a picture that I didn't have. And my daughter was take the picture was taken in a similar picture 
because I drew, I, I drew everything that I saw in my book. I drew the, the sumo wrestler and the beautiful lady. Mm-hmm. And then I also have a picture of my daughter next to the beautiful lady. And you, there's no doubt that she was my, my daughter. If we go back, you were sick. And when this happened, can you tell me like how sick were you and what symptoms you had? Um, you know, I had, uh, I think I was throwing up. I don't remember the symptoms. I just, yeah, I was, I know I was throwing up because I had the dry heaves mm-hmm. and I got so tired of throwing up. I quit eating. And uh, of course, you know, you don't drink much either. Uh, after the extended illness, mom finally took me to the family doctor mm-hmm. and um, he examined me and then he unlike any of my other appointments he asked me would you st- you know go out in the in the waiting room so i can talk to your mother mm-hmm. well i overheard him later after mom uh and i got home she took me through to get a shake or something to drink mm-hmm. and she started pushing fluids on me well um the doctor had said I was so dehydrated from being sick that I that I could have died. Right. And that's why she wanted to, to really get the fluids in me. So that is the reason. I, I right. think it just seemed like a, a really bad uh, flu. But then again, after studying near-death experiences, you don't even have to be sick to have a, a, a spiritual experience. Right. You, you can be a normal person just minding your own business. So. Yeah, right. From what you said, it sounded like you ate something at a picnic or a park, but you didn't have the illness till about a week later. Well, no, a few days later. A few days later. From what I learned as me being a chiropractor, even though I'm not a medical doctor per se, usually food poison, one of the other, you usually get food infection or food poisoning. And one of them is you have it immediately. And then the other one is the next day. Like food okay. poisoning is the same day and food infections the next day. For you to have it three or four days later, to me, most likely it sounds like that you had the E. coli in the water. Oh, that could have been. That um, could have been. But I was just curious about what was going on with you. Okay. Let's yeah. fast forward to this. Uh, what I found interesting is is that you saw two different realities in your room, one on one side and one on the other side. And it almost seems like you were looking into two separate dimensions two separate, you know, realities or dimensions. Um, Would you agree with that? And what I really find interesting is, did they ever come as one when they started having conversations together or were they still communicating even though they were in separate dimensions? Uh, I could not tell what dimension she was in because it was all blackness behind her, but he was in a white room. So obviously it must have been different dimensions because they they were not in the same place. Mm -hmm. And... uh, what was the next thing you asked me? Oh, I would just wanted to know what you thought about that. If they were in yeah, the same. Yeah, I, I believe that's so because they never came together. They were right. always talking telepathically uh, from the different uh, openings in, in the clouds. Or what I was asking or saying was I found it interesting that even though they were in separate dimensions or separate places, they were still communicating with each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, um, well, that's just like. Uh, mediums do, or even actually we do on a normal basis, uh, talk to, we're communicating with the other dimension and don't realize it. Right. I mean, you can almost say you and I are in a separate dimension right now communicating. It's true. 
<laughs> now that we think about it, let me catch a question here one second. Uh, listening to your story that you saw your daughter before she was born, are you saying that everything is already already decided and planned for ourselves? Um, that's what I go through in the book. I don't think everything is planned. Mm -hmm. There are certain lessons are in our lives that are are planned for us to learn. Now, depending on what our choice is and what direction we go in, that lesson can manifest in a different way. So we have control over over where we go in what's happened, but we have chosen what we uh, what we want to learn in this life. And there is a panel of beings that I saw that um, I after the. Because after you have near-death experiences, you continue to have communication. Most most of us have communication mm -hmm. still. And there was another point later in my life, after the third near-death experience, that I was uh, brought up to uh, the, this whiteness of heaven. And, and I was uh, there for a lesson review. Hmm. And the lesson review was, thou shalt not judge. What did I learn? Because I had learned, I had learned that I had misjudged people. And why did I learn that? Because they had brought Bob in from Austria, the, the love of my life, to for this special plan, le lesson plan. Um, and he took me to places that where I saw, I just happened to see that I had judged people on, on my clothing. I had judged people on, uh, rather on their clothing. And I had judged the lifestyles of other people where they're common in Europe. Mm -hmm. And and we are a land of immigrants here. We all came from somewhere. Mm -hmm. And though, even though we aren't currently uh, like our parents aren't uh, aren't initially from that country, those what they what their parents and their grandparents still go down from generation to generation on how you raise your kids. So, yeah, you still have uh, immigrants of some sort here. Mm -hmm. Do you believe in soul groups? Some people do, some people don't. And maybe that your daughter is, you know, a member of your group that was uh, waiting to be your daughter. That, yes, I think that's very possible. I, I do know that Bob, who's playing a big part in my life now, mm -hmm. I also remember him from a previous life, previous or parallel. I don't know how it works, mm -hmm. but um, he saved me in another life. Hmm. And, um, Although I believe I was uh, caught in that life because it was during uh, World War II. Mm -hmm. And uh, he he uh, sent his troops away from me uh, so that I could get away. But I think later I was caught anyway uh, because I, I believe I was uh, uh, incinerated, um, gassed, whatever you call it. And that's oh. probably why I have inflammation in my body in, in this lifetime. Mm -hmm. Because okay. I think some things carry over. All right. So let's go to NDE number two. When okay. was this? How old were you? Oh, gosh. I was in my mid-30s, okay, I believe. Okay. So about 15 yeah. years later. 1992. And, uh, and uh, I was a single mom at that point. And my parents lived in, lived in Boise, Idaho, and I lived in Colorado. So they were 800 miles away. So we didn't get to see them very often. And they called and asked if they could uh, 
take take the kids for a month, spend some time with them. And they wanted to take them to Disneyland. Uh, and they invited me if I wanted to go. I, did, I didn't have that much time. So I... Uh, I drove the kids there. We, you know, had a fun road trip on the way and uh, I stayed a few days and then I came back home to uh, have a little bit of time to myself before I had to go to work on Monday. And on this particular day, I woke up, it was, I got home on Thursday night and this was Friday, I believe. And uh, it was a beautiful day, no clouds in the sky. And the temperature was perfect. So I went flower shopping because I had uh, a big backyard deck with, that had pot, big pots that were screaming for flowers. And uh, after I uh, loaded my flowers and my dirt and uh, everything that I needed in the back of my car, I headed home. But I had not fastened my seatbelt. I was going to fasten it on the way. And I had, I was only about a block, block and a half away from the nursery. But when I pulled out of the parking lot, it was the three lanes going in both directions. And there was no traffic to be uh, concerned about. And so I pulled into the, uh, into the right lane and then I moved over to the middle lane and waited at the light that had, had turned green and uh, uh, then proceeded through the intersection. Um, there still were, was no cars. There was one car coming in the opposite direction, uh, but was going straight, so it wasn't a concern. And then when I went through the intersection, it was a big, I'd call it hill, because it dips a little bit. This was a hill. I had a downward motion for quite some time. And I noticed even though I was, uh, uh, nobody was around me, I was catching up to this car that was sitting in the, the middle of the road at the bottom and wasn't moving, but there was no traffic light or anything down there. So I wasn't sure why he had stopped, but there was a, a park on one side of the road and then a grassy area on the other. And I thought, what happens if a little kid, you know, chased a ball out there was crossing the road or or something so because um, I could have gone on either side of him but it, what direction would that child be going so I, I stopped behind him and uh, then I looked in my rearview mirror and all this traffic had started to catch up because of the time I had sat at the light and there was traffic cars in every lane and they were coming down so fast, like, like horses on a racetrack. Mm -hmm. And the, the gentleman in the pickup uh, that was in my lane was distractedly looking to the right. So I don't know if he was looking to change lanes and realize there was a car there, but he didn't see that we were stopped. Nobody saw that we were stopped. And I thought in my mind, uh, oh God, he's going to hit me because I knew he, there was no doubt about it. And then all of a sudden I heard this voice say, lay down across the seat and cover your face. Cause I didn't have time to put my seatbelt on. Hmm. And, uh, so I did what I was told, but I was the only one in the car. So who was talking to me? Yeah. And yeah. when I laid down across the seat, I covered my face. And then the first impact happened and it was just like, 
it was just like somebody bumping the side of the bed. It was very gentle. And I thought, oh, that's not so bad. Uh, and then so I brought my hands down so I could see above me. And I saw the glass shattering uh, in slow motion, like a wave as it went up. And it was creating a beautiful, beautiful piece of artwork. And I knew, knew I had to cover my face again because I was afraid of the rain of glass that would come come down. And then all of a sudden I felt an arm come under my shoulders and an arm come under my knees. And I was picked up by something that I couldn't see. Probably the sumo man, sumo wrestler. That's what I can say. Then all of a sudden I was up above the accident scene looking down. And there's pictures of that in the book too. And I could see my car and I was looking through a clouds even though it was a cloudless day. So I was in another dimension looking back into this one. Mm. Whereas in the first one, I was in this dimension looking into that one. Mm. Uh, after the all the impacts were done, they I was snapped back into my body. But while I was up there, I could feel arms of, of angelic beings holding, my, holding me up there. That's who took me up. And then I was snapped into my body. Only I was still in the front seat, across the seat, with my face, with my arms that way. Uh, but my legs were over the steering wheel instead of under the steering wheel. Uh, so I hurriedly turned off the ignition to the car and sat up. And uh, that motion, I started to feel a gushing a gushing like uh, energy going up to my head. And I felt like a thermometer that was about ready to explode. And I held my head uh, saying, oh, my head hurts, my head hurts. And then this guy, before that, this guy came up and he said, are you okay? And at that time I was okay before this had happened. And I said, but I lost my glasses because I, I had worn my glasses that day. And so he found them on the front seat floor and gave them to me uh the first person then that's when my head started the first person the uh that came well when this guy was there um said she's been thrown around the car the the seats are down and the guy said is that is that right and i said no because i was in the front seat that's where i was when initially um and come to find out, I had been thrown around the car. Um, so the angelic beings not only took me up in the air, they manipulated my body so that it would not, I would not have any broken bones. Mm -hmm. I had my shins uh, um, uh, abrased when, as they went over the steering wheel and the dash. Um, but other than that, I walked away that day with no injuries. My car was totaled. Uh, the guy had hit me with an impact the, and I've got the picture of the, um, accident scene and how there was abs no, no, no car left in the, in the back. Cause they were traveling around 45 miles an hour and he, I heard no squealing tires. It was just sheer impact. Wow. So uh, had I been tossed into, because I had a hatchback, had I been tossed over the back seat into the into the hatchback area, I would I would be dead. But I was I was in the the 
back seat because it was the rear window that shattered, not the front window. The front window was still intact. Mm. Oh. So, yeah, that's very interesting. So I, they did take me away in an ambulance. I don't remember the ambulance ride. I don't remember seeing a doctor at the hospital or a nurse per se. Um, so I must have still been out of my body until later that day when a police officer came through the, the uh, curtains to talk to me. And, you know, when you see a police officer, you know, you, you get got it. Anyway, he asked for my driver's license and I couldn't find my, I was so confused, shaken up. I couldn't find my driver's license in my purse. I just handed him the purse and I said, here, it's in there somewhere. And he said, no, that's okay. I'll look it up. Mm-hmm. And after the, after they analyzed the accident scene, you know, I, uh, it was, it was a rear end collision. And since I was at a complete stop, I didn't get a ticket for having no seatbelt on because I was not a moving vehicle at the time. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so I must have been out of my body for quite some time, even mm-hmm. though my physical body was reacting and answering questions because I don't remember any of it. Mm. And did you have any other paranormal experience around that time? Uh, then I started not needing as much sleep and I started getting electrical shocks. No, I put all these behind me. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're young, uh, the studies have shown that you you the, normally you pack it away. Well, I was interested in dating. I wasn't interested in dreaming, you know, so, so I put that away this time. I knew, okay, something's going on, but I was still wanting to put it behind me. So Mm. I put it behind me, but heaven would not have it. Mm. That's why I think I've had all these, but when I was four years old, I predicted these things because Mm. it was before kindergarten and my brothers, who are two years older than me, they're twins, uh, fraternal twins, uh, were in school. And my next door neighbor, who I play with, was in school. And I was bored at home by myself. Uh, but and I, my mom was on the telephone and she was talking to somebody about adoption. So I asked my mom, am I adopted? And she said, no, silly, you're our little girl. Well, the next thing out of my mo- mouth came uh but I'm going to die young. I don't know why I said that, but when I when I thought about that, I was thinking, okay, what's young mean? Mm-hmm. And and I had visions, three visions go through my mind of the of different ages, and those were the 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 near death experiences that I've had. So certain events in our life are planned for us to learn mm-hmm. and and evolve. So I don't know if it would have been worse if I had changed you know, went to a different direction or it, I think near death experience is a spiritual experience because there are so many of them now. I mean, people have them and they don't talk about them mm-hmm. that this is, this is the higher realms way of enlightenment waking us up. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's not a woo woo thing, you know, that our life is predestined to happen just like this. And we're robots because we're not, we mm-hmm. have choices. Yeah. So it sounds like to me that you really hadn't put it together yet from that one and the previous one that you really had a near-death experience. There was nothing out in the mm-hmm. society at the time. Mm-hmm. I'd never heard of Raymond Moody and his studies. Mm-hmm. Even with my third one, I didn't know uh, anything, what these things were called. Mm-hmm. Um, I just knew what happened and I didn't talk about it. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's move on to the third one. When was that and what happened? 
That was in my 40s, upper 40s, I believe. Um, it was 2000. Okay. Yeah, I would have probably been in my 40s. Um, and I, I had uh, gotten married, and we decided to buy a ranch. And um, I suppose we should, before I go to that, I need to tell you about something in between. Okay. Because six years after the car accident, my world fell apart. And I don't know why. Hmm. Um, There was never any solid conclusion on it. They treated it uh, as a depression, but none of the depression medicines worked. Hmm. Um, I went to a Parkinson's specialist, uh, too. But what, what was happening, I started to stutter. Um, I could not, I could not, I could think of what I wanted to say, picture it in my mind, but I could not connect the word to it. I was getting electrical shocks throughout my body that it it felt like a hungry parakeet size laser zapping mosquito, but it was parakeets. They were just, you know, real shocks. And you know how, when you get, um, a mosquito bite, you slap it mm-hmm. uh, to try and get, you know, kill, kill the, the thing. And um, so I was walking around slapping myself, even slapping my own face because of these electrical shocks that were happening. And it, it was pretty embarrassing uh, sitting in a product planning meeting because I worked for a, a, a high level international uh, snack food company. And I was their network coordinator. So everything I did was analyzation. I analyzed all the traffic flow and getting the product to the customer for the uh, least amount of miles and the least expense. And that was my job, um, uh, organizing uh, carriers, et cetera, and drivers to handle these loads and and calculating everything. Everything was analyzing. But I, I realized now that, that, uh, the creator gave me these analytical skills for a reason, but he took them away. He hmm. took them away during this thing because I could not analyze anything. I could not think uh, without my head hurting. And that's important to know what's going to happen next. Uh, I went to, um, because then I had to be off work for a while because of the, the uh, I could not think. And uh, when we moved out to the ranch, um, after we moved several years after we moved out to the ranch, uh, there was, uh, his cousin called and was coming to Denver and I had never met his husband. I mean, his cousin, and he hadn't seen his cousin in, Oh, I have no idea how long it was so long. Um, so he asked me if I wanted to go because the uh, his cousin happened to be the music director at the Benny Hinn Ministries. I had no clue who Benny Hinn was. I have not met his cousin. Mm-hmm. Um, so I said, sure, because uh, I wanted to meet his cousin. Mm-hmm. So we, when they came, that, that time came, uh, can he send us tickets to get in? And it was at the Pepsi Center, and it was just jammed with people mm-hmm. that were there to, to see uh, Benny Hinn. And we had, we were in like the 10th row back. So we had really great seats and um, Benny Hinn's a a great speaker, Mm -hmm. Um, uh, pastor, I guess you could call him. Mm -hmm. Anyway, 
the first portion of the, he he's did his sermon and a lot of singing music, beautiful music. And we sang songs like uh, Jesus, you're all I need. Uh, he touched me, uh, breathe upon me, breath of God. And uh, my third near death experience was created uh, based on that experience because I was praying for healing during this time uh, because I could not, nothing ever was made sense why I couldn't get back to the person that I was before. Mm -hmm. And so I prayed Benny had left the stage. There was an intermission portion and we were still singing the songs and I had prayed for healing, but you don't realize when you say these prayers, you're actually praying with the words of the song. Mm. And so I was not actually praying for physical healing. I was actually praying for my soul, for my physical healing. I mean, spiritual healing. But while I was there, I felt a, uh, like a tap on my head and I felt a tingling. And I felt like if you can picture Cinderella with the fairy godmother touching her on the head with the wand and little sparkles come down around her, I felt like that. And after that moment, I started being able to do math problems again. Hmm. where I could not even think before. So he gave me a partial healing, but I think what he was doing during this thing is I had analyzed everything and he wanted, he wanted to take that away so that I thought with my heart versus my mind so that I would be more open to what was going to happen. And so uh, a couple of years after this miracle crusade, they called it, um, I got the answer to my prayer hmm. from that episode. Of course, there's no time in heaven to speak of. It's, you know, a thousand years is like a day, a day, like a thousand years. So to them, it could have been, you know, just like a snap. Uh, but for us, it's very slow. And I had developed an allergy as near death experiences do. They would get very sensitive to things. And I didn't realize that. So I had gotten, I developed a sensitivity only. I thought it was an allergy that would go away as the seasons change. I'd never had an allergy before, only it didn't. And I didn't realize that it was happening in the house versus out of the house. I thought it was because I had been working with hay or mowing the lawn or the things that I did outside. And then I, it, I was congested. So I went in the house and I would take uh, uh, congestants to clean up my sinuses so that I could breathe again. And uh, this particular night I was congested and I had taken the uh, uh, sinus tablets, et cetera. And I went to bed and I had propped three big pillows up on top of each other so that I'd be at a 45 degree angle so that I could breathe better. Mm-hmm. But during the night, mm-hmm. uh, my chest started to hurt and it hurt so bad, but I couldn't get up. I could not sit up. So I reached for my husband and I couldn't feel him. And so I called for him and I said, Gavin, please help me, please help me. And he didn't respond. Then all of a sudden I was out of my body and I was up at ceiling level, only the ceiling had melted away. Mm -hmm. It was blackness above me, but I was at ceiling level looking down on my body and that of my husband's below. 
he was still laying on his left side, kind of faced away from me. And I was still, I always slept with on my back with my tummy over my, my hands over my tummy. And my hands were still over my tummy. So it was obviously my spiritual arms that had reached for him. And it was my spiritual voice that called for him. And that's why he couldn't hear me. Mm. And I felt, I felt the most uh, immense sense of relief and freedom and, and pure, pure bliss as I, as I floated there. And it was in darkness, but it was the middle of the night that made perfect sense. Um, I could feel my arms, my energy arms floating out to my sides, only they were floating back and they were elongated, uh, floating free because they were no longer encapsulated in the body below. Uh, I saw a silver cord float by and it went by very slowly, like, like weightless, like an out in outer space. And I didn't know what that is, that was, but that's in the Bible. Um, that's our spiritual cord. And it says when, when the, when the cord, the silver cord snaps and the chalice falls over, you will come home to heaven to me. That's in the Ecclesiastics of the Bible. And it's also a spiritual connection, you know, that they refer to as our cord, as our tether. And I saw that. Uh, I could not tell where it was connected. Um, I didn't see it below on my physical body. Uh, and I wanted to see my physical body. And I, I went down to the physical form. And I, I must have gotten so small because I was looking at the side of my face and I, I could see the pores in my nose and I was thinking, boy, you're going to need a lot more makeup on there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So every day I, when I put my makeup on, I put a little bit more makeup there on my nose. And uh, then I went back up to my, uh, up to the ceiling. Uh, I had already zoomed in at different, different uh, directions to see it. Um, I noticed while I was floating up there, I was. I felt a connection with the with the universe, and uh, I knew this was perfect. Everything was happening the way it should be, and uh, this. I saw a light coming in from the distance, and I wasn't worried about it at all. I noticed that there was some other activity down at my physical body, and so I was concentrated on that. I saw something blue, the color of the sky. Um, lifting out of my feet and then my ankles and my shins and up to my thighs. And it kind of bubbled up uh, out of my body. And I wanted to see it. I went down to my waistline and watched these, these uh, spirit legs lift out of my body. Well, what I was, I still had my thoughts of who I was, but I was the consciousness from the upper part of the body. And I was watching my spirit leave the lower half of my body. And after that energy left the lower half of my body, I could feel it drawing up to me. And as it drew up to me, I became one form again. I could feel my energetic arms pulling in and my uh, my lower half pulling up. And then I was transformed. I was transformed into an orb. And I've had a fishbowl effect like 
view. I could see like in, through a fishbowl until it become crystal clear. That was uh, that was as I was transforming, and then it was perfectly clear. Um, I wore glasses at the time. I couldn't see anything all my life. I had wore. Uh, I, I, they, I was on the edge of being legally blind. And so I had huge Coke type glasses and I would have to feel for them to find them in the morning. I'd make sure I put them in the place. So I had perfect vision out of my body. Mm -hmm. um, everything was healed. And I was then floating in a wand, a wand of love. And this light flew into the room and it grew up into the spiritual being and the spiritual being was radiating light all around it. And it had a massive light coming out of its heart center. And it was so, the rays were so bright, it was hard to see its face. I also drew a picture of that and it had hair and it had, the hair was kind of going across its chin and what I didn't realize is there was also another light coming from the other direction. I had twos. I had twos in the first one. I had two in this one. Mm. And this light was coming from the, the left side. And this, the spiritual being that, that was in my room, uh, I didn't know who it was initially. I find that out much later, but because uh, he comes again. And he held his hand out to me. And he said, it's time to come home, Jan. He had on a white floral length robe tied at the waist with a, a brown rope. Um, and his his sleeves hung off of his his arms. They were kind of, I don't know what they call them, but they hung, hung off. And um, uh, I, my first thought when he said that was about my daughter, because we were very close. And I thought, how is she going to take my dad? And he said, she'll be okay. Mm -hmm. So I, I didn't have to ask. He just knew my thoughts. Mm -hmm. So I was going to go. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but this, as I was in this tube of love, I was now floating closer and closer to this, this, uh, this light that had appeared. This, this other light had come forward through the darkness and had grown into a beautiful, uh, energetic, uh, ball of light. And it was it was pure love in its entirety. And that was that was the creator in his energetic form that had come. And it also had clouds around. It appeared like there was clouds around it as it came through. So I don't know if this is, you know, what they say he will come in the clouds. Maybe that's for me only because of, of the Bible, although I had never read uh, never read the Bible. Um, I was not a big church person. My parents were, but they decided we didn't, you know, we attended school all week. We didn't want to go to Sunday school. So eventually they let us stay home and play while they went to church. And so that we could make up our own minds. So this may have been a, a way awakening me or, or something. Um, but I was floating to that tunnel. And even though it was light and the rays were coming out of it, I could feel I could feel the colors in it. And then I was shown something. Um, I was shown the immediate future. Um, that was uh, the angels took me up into the air and they had me uh, and I could see the ranch 
outside, inside, uh, the land in all directions. And I could see pins of light, two pins of light coming up the road. And even though they were so far away, they were just teeny tiny pins of light. I felt like I was riding in that vehicle. I could feel the, I could hear the crunch of the tires going over the gravel as if my ear was right next to the tire. I could feel the bumps in the road. I could hear the jostling. I was, and I could still see uh, my husband and I in the room below. I had all perspectives. I had become one with the universe at that time. And this vehicle happened to be an ambulance that had come. We lived out in the country. Um, and it, help was not immediate. So I, it, they had showed me that he, they were coming up to the house and they worked on me, but I, I knew I was dead and I was okay with that. Um, so I still wanted to go, mm-hmm. but when I went down, uh, this light who was God enveloped me at that at one point here. And he showed me, he told me I was perfect in every way. We are perfect in every way. Even with our imperfections, we're perfect in every way. And he showed me moments of my life. And there were many movies as he held me. And he showed me my childhood and uh, how I had formed these judgments and and he showed me the all the, the different moments of my life that were important and some that have not happened yet. Hmm. And he told me to understand these moments because they matter. Well, I wanted to understand them in heaven. So I was still planning on going. And then I went back down and I was in front of the tunnel again. And they showed me one last image. And that last image was of my middle son, Kurt. And when I saw his image, I knew that something was going to happen to him in the future, although I didn't know what it was. But if I wasn't there, his life would go down a a pathway that wouldn't be as good for him. Mm -hmm. And so I knew that I had to stay. So I, the spiritual being who was Jesus, um, I said, I'm not ready to go yet. And he nodded his head and smiled. Even though I couldn't see his face, I knew he smiled. And then I turned back into my blue energetic form. Mm -hmm. And I sat my butt down in my physical butt. Mm -hmm. And I put each spiritual leg in, just like I was putting on a piece of clothing, put it in her legs, and then I grabbed my spiritual knees and I rocked back and forth in my bo- in the body until I could lay down and get the momentum to help the physical body sit up and snap, uh, gasp for air. Hmm. Well, I managed to, to do that. Uh, and so uh, then Jan uh, had to live her life uh, wondering when the other shoe was going to drop for her son. So that again shows that we make contracts to help each other. We work together in this life and it's our choice, whether we honor it or not. Um, And I chose to honor that contract to help him in the future. Interesting. Let me ask you this. Mm -hmm. So you had two energy beings there on this third time. Well, I had more than that because um, 
there was Jesus, there was uh, the creator. And then when I went up in the air, there was angels, angels that took my elbows again and took me up. All right, let me go back to this because I'm a little bit confused. Who is the being that said it's time to come home? That ends up being Jesus. But I don't find out in this NDE. I found this out later. Oh, okay. So, but even though that one at first said it's time to come home and then God showed you your life and what was going to happen with your son and everything. It, yeah, the, it didn't show me what was going to happen with my son. just showed me an image and I knew that it was going to happen. Right. And then you went back to Jesus and said, okay, I'm ready to go back. Yeah. Well, I was floating in front of both of them. And uh, so I told him I was ready to go back. Uh, and while I re-entered my body, I had a message from heaven that kept echoing over and over again. And it kept saying, love is the only thing that matters. Love is the only thing. That matters. All the time that I was re-entering my body is love is the only thing that matters. And that echoes in me thousands of times a day. And that's the message that I was meant to bring back is love is the only thing that matters. That's mm. one of the big messages. And that's the golden rule. Mm. So you remembered all this and now you're living your life wondering when is something going to happen to my son? It has. It already has. And it already has. But for a while, you were always wondering about that. So when did that happen and what happened? Well, after the near-death experience, a lot of strange things happened. You know, as with near-death experiencers, they have, especially when they've been in the light of God, they they come back with an energetic um, after effect. And so different things would happen that confused my life. I didn't know about this stuff. I could, I could, I knew the thoughts of people. I knew their real feelings, even though they were masking them. I would would go into uh, the grocery store with my husband and I would get nauseous and sick from everybody's thoughts coming at me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I felt faint and I, I said, I need to go out to the car. So I would sit in the car and he'd have to do the, the grocery shopping. And also, um, uh, lights, you know, would, that would flicker the yard light outside, uh, the house would flicker when we were outside. It was a big street lamp is what that was out there. We had put that to, uh, for the electrical, uh, supply that was coming to the house for the new addition. And it, they, it was a street light to light, to light the yard because, uh, with the country, you need a lot of light with because there was lots of coyotes out there. We could hear them howling at night. And um, uh, so when we were walking to the house, we I'd say, we need to get that light fixed. And when I was inside and I'd look out the window, it was solid. It wasn't didn't flicker. So I didn't know that that the wall was blocking my energy from it uh, from affecting it. And then it, um, I also had uh, the telephone would ring. And when I'd pick up the telephone, uh, nobody would be there. And I was getting irritated because I thought maybe my husband was having a, uh, it was happening so much. I thought he thought he was having an affair. So I was going, I was going to call this. I had caller ID had just come out. So I immediately called this number back. But every time I called the number back, I would get this this recording that says, I'm sorry, you have reached a non-working number. Please, please check your number and try again. I started crying out loud. I mean, these calls were coming from New York. They were coming from the Caribbean. I mean, they were coming from all over. I would always get this same message. 
and that that I needed to check my number. And I was thinking, my gosh, what's going on? So I, uh, and with all the electrical stuff, he was thinking that I was strange too. So, so after after a few years, our marriage ended up uh, falling apart. And I, when I moved, I moved to uh, my parents' house while the ranch was supposed to be sold. Well. The rent, the market was depressed at the time, and so it didn't sell right away. And uh, so I spent a couple of years out in Boise um, uh, there. And so I, uh, at one point, my son called me and he said, "Would you come back to Denver and share an apartment with me? I'd like a little bit nicer place." And uh, I said, sure. I was I was really excited about that because he's the one child that was was more more to himself than any of the other ones. So this was totally unexpected. But what I didn't realize is the creator had put that into his heart for him to invite me so that I would be there for what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Had I decided not to go, you know, I don't know what what would have happened to Kurt um, because I wouldn't have been there for for helping him uh um with his lesson well he did have his lesson and uh he was supposed to take classes because he had uh been driving while under the influence and i noticed that he had not gone to his classes and so um i asked him i said i you haven't gone i haven't heard you talk about or i haven't taken you to any of your classes what's going on and he says i'm not going he says the guy doesn't like me and then he looked into his bedroom. He says, I just don't see any light at the end of the tunnel. Well, I was before the tunnel when I was shown that picture. Mm-hmm. So this is heaven's little way of letting me know that this is the, the moment. I did not know that at the time. But after I look back and I analyze all these things, that's what I know to be true. So I said to him, uh, Kurt, you won't, you won't get to the end of the tunnel until you do what you're supposed to do. And then you'll get there. Now I was not saying he's not going to go to heaven. Mm-hmm. I'm just, that was just saying, you know, you have, cause he had said it that way. That's why I use that term. But in everybody's life, if you don't do what you're supposed to do, it's going to, it's going to be harder on yourself. So if you get into these kind of situations, you just need to realize, do what you're supposed to do. You'll get through it and life will go on. Mm-hmm. And then you just check that off your list. You know, that's a lesson that I've overcome. I think that's that's everything we go through is a lesson. So and we mustn't be feeling guilt over that. Mm-hmm. We must feel achievement of overcoming those situations. Mm-hmm. So when I said that that thing to him, I saw a light go on over his head. And. That sentence, those words had made connection to him. And then he started doing from that moment on everything that he was supposed to do. He got through everything. He's a supervisor, high level supervisor at a great corporation. He has a beautiful daughter and a great life. So uh, he he learned that lesson and, and everybody can get through the challenge that they have ahead of them. Interesting. Can I ask you a couple questions? You bet. When you had your life breakdown before the third NDE, 
did anything precede it? Like, did you just have some kind of really stressful event or anything? No, or no, just, there was I, nothing I wrong in my life. I just started getting electrical shocks started coming on uh-huh. and I was happy. Uh, I had just gotten engaged to my fiance um, that I married and uh, every, my life was great. My job, I loved my job. Everything was perfect. So none of it made sense. But during this, when God showed me these moments of his life, he showed me this time frame with under construction. Hmm. So he was he was annihilating my spirit because I felt empty at one point and he was rebuilding me to be a better version of myself that would that would t- bring these messages out to the world. Hmm, that's interesting. And this is the second question and you don't have to answer it if it's too personal, but uh-huh. do you feel that the reason that your marriage fell apart was because of all the stuff that was, you know, going on with you and all the changes in your life and maybe it was just too much for your husband and he was like I can't deal with this anymore and and stuff like yeah, that. I be- yeah, well, I became very sensitive to everything. Mm-hmm. I became I, I look back at this and I, I I became so sensitive to negativity. And uh, because of the stress um, of what was going on, I could I knew he thought I was nuts, but I wasn't. Mm-hmm. And because I could I knew his thoughts because mm-hmm. so he was going back and forth. You know, he loved me, but he thought I was nuts, this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And and um, but the amazing thing is, is once I moved on, the allergy went away. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was fragrances. Oh. It was to fragrances, and I had, I had fragrances all throughout the house, um, plug-ins and uh, scented shampoo, etc. Um, I went finally went to an allergist, and he did. He said I had sensitivity to certain man-made fragrances, which ended up being those particular items. Now I don't use scented plugins here, but I can wear certain perfumes and I can, I don't, uh, a lot of the symptoms went away after I left that situation. So it's in my opinion that heaven can heal us. He can create energy. He can create illnesses, um, to move us along in life or to put me in the right place for where I was supposed to be for Kurt. So uh, there's certain things that, that, uh, heaven can do, you know, and, and heal our soul like he did with me because that that bubble effect being in a wand was was connecting back to those songs breathe upon me breath of god now what way to connect to that than being sitting in a, a wand of a that a little child uses to blow bubbles uh, mm-hmm. to create them so he was showing that he created all of us uh, not necessarily through a wand but he was he was bringing that connection of those prayers. This was the answer to my prayers. And he did touch me that night and he did breathe upon me and he, and, and Jesus in heaven is, is all I need now. So. All right. So let, oh, I'm sorry. So they were in my heart. That's all I said. Let's fast forward to Bob. So how does Bob come into the picture? It was, it was five years after uh, the divorce and I was on a social website. Mm-hmm. What was a hot space or MySpace or something like that. Probably MySpace. And, okay. Um, 
someone had showed that to me and, and they let you download music into, into some kind of thing. And so I would download Muse songs and then I would play those songs during the day so I could listen to them. And occasionally I'd get a message from somebody and I'd uh, send a message back with very seldom. But one particular day I got a message from someone and he said, would you practice English with me? So I, I looked at his profile and he looked harmless and he was over in Austria. And so I thought, well, the cat can't hurt. So I said, yeah, I'll practice because it's just messaging. And so uh, he would write me a message and then uh, I would write back. And he was, you know, not real good with English, but somewhat. So, um, he would say, you have to give me some time. And so I would say, that's okay. I'm going shopping with, cause of the time difference mm-hmm. uh, it was late night for him. And it was the afternoon for me. So I said, I'm going shopping with my daughter and uh, I'll check for messages when I get back. And so we always, he'd ask us what we did and we went shopping. At that time, we'd always stop at Starbucks and have a cup of coffee on our way home. And uh, um, eventually over a period of time of us writing back and forth, um, uh, he just, he said, you know, I'd really like to meet you, even if I just fly in for a cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. And, uh, cause we, we started understanding each other and having, uh, good conversations. And, and, um, so I said, well, you, 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 uh, can come in and just stay a week. I'll show you around the town. And, uh, so he did fly in for a week. And he wanted to understand the legal system since that's what he did. So our, our first day out, we went to the courts and, and watched and watched uh, uh, the judge and, and prosecutors do their thing. He thought that was fascinating. So, um, so we, I took him to various places and he took, uh, made arrangements for a tour of the police department, et cetera. So we, but that's how we met is over the internet, not through a dating site. It's just, I helped him practice English and then it developed over that, over that. Okay. For some reason, I thought that Bob had something spiritually going on or some spiritual significance in your life, but no. Yes, because heaven brought him into my life for my lesson, because after we got to know each other, this is, uh, I had judged my next door neighbor when I was little because uh, my dad wore swimming suits down to their knees mm-hmm. and um, he wore a bikini type swimming suit. The next door neighbor did. I didn't like it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I developed a dislike for that. And so I carried that throughout my life. And so uh, when Bob came, he loved to swim. There's a lot of beautiful lakes over in Austria. And he said, uh, well, what kind of swimming suit do you use? And I said, well, down to the knees. He said, why that? There's so much drag. And he said, I said, well, what do you wear? And he says, I, I wear, I wear speedos. And this is, <laughs> oh my God, what are you doing here? <laughs> Bringing the one thing into my life that I had judged the, in, and carried, but heaven was showing me that, uh, uh, that we get confronted with a lot of our judgments later in life. Mm-hmm. And so Bob had taken me and he had eventually invited me to go to Europe. And so I, and I met his family and I, we've been going back and forth for 11 years. And, um, uh, I realized that those type of swimming suits are very common over there. Everybody wears them. And I also realized that I had misjudged other people by their 
life they're living. And I saw the beautiful buildings and stuff that were just like that. And uh, they had even come and uh, my, it was my grandfather. Mm-hmm. I had judged him on living above an, uh, a, a business in, in an apartment complex. Mm-hmm. I thought, why would any, we had a house. Why would anybody live with that? Like, like that as, as stupid things you go through your mind when you're mm-hmm. a child and, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, you learn about them later. Mm-hmm. And that. Oh, that's interesting. So I, I guess one of your life's big lessons is not to be so judgmental. That was it. I don't judge anybody anymore because when I when they asked me what I learned, because uh, I was proud that I had already learned, um, my memories, as I they wanted me to explain it to them. So my memories uh, showed across the heavens, uh, and uh, this is how I formed the judgment, mm-hmm. and this is uh, um, where I learned I where I had misjudged mm-hmm. and uh, um, it was, it was quite fascinating. And afterwards, this panel of beings was happy. They were kind of celebrating that I had learned the lesson that they had laid out for me to, to learn. Although I do know that I must've been involved in that lesson, requesting that lesson, but not allowed to remember how it was going to play out for me to learn. So, because when I went back to my body, because after it was over with, I was going back to my body and I was chuckling. I said, this is really clever how you laid this out for me to learn. Hmm. And I woke up kind of chuckling about it because it it was so fascinating. Hmm. All right. If somebody would like to, you know, find out more about you and about your book. Uh, do you have a website or a Facebook page? And yes, web- I have a website, JanetTarantino.com. Okay. I have a, and, and if, if they want to purchase the book, it can be Amazon or Barnes and Noble, any major bookstore. Mm-hmm. But if they go to my website, I have links that would take them to the different places, mm-hmm. uh, uh, several different places that have my book. Um, I also have a Facebook page, uh, mm-hmm. Janet Tarantino NDE um, that they can, uh, come friend me. Um, I also have Instagram too. So hmm. do you have anything else you're working on right now that you want people? Yeah, to know I'm working on another book, uh, because the last five, my parents died last year, but I took care of them for the last five years of their life. Mm-hmm. And, um, I studied the, the, uh, dying process. They agreed. I asked them, uh, they know about my story. It really put them at ease for what, you know, because they were nearing their final days. And so I asked them, would you please share with me everything that you see, feel, sense, and experience during your dying process? Mm -hmm. And they said that they would. They even signed contracts uh, with me. And the reason I had them sign contracts with me is because I was their caregiver. Um, I, I, I took care of them anyway, but as their, as their, needs progressed, then it was required that I go through a, um, a care facility, mm-hmm. a home care facility. And so I, I went and became, uh, a, um, a, a working through another care facility for specifically for them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I needed that for my protection, uh, for sharing the, uh, the stories that they, uh, said that they would give me. And so that, that, that will be included in my book. And I have other people's near death experiences in there as well, because part of the healing process is, you know, you should share these things, but not everybody wants to write a book 
or maybe they don't think they, you know, their near-death experience is long enough for that. Um, so I'm happy to share other people's near-death experiences in my book uh, to give them that that healing that they need, knowing that they did what they were supposed to do. So that's part of the healing process as well. So I'm, that's what I'm working on. And are you looking for other people to still contribute to your book? Sure, you I'm enough? always look. I'm all, I'm always looking for you know who knows what the next book would be. Yeah, I'm looking for more stories. I have some really fascinating ones. Um, yeah, just send me a note on my uh, Janet.com mm -hmm. uh, site and JanetTarantino.com. There's a contact page. Mm -hmm. Send me a message. I'll contact you and and put it in. So it's, it's not only covering near-death experience, spiritual experience, or just easy communication with the spirit world. Okay. Let me catch another couple questions here. Uh -huh. Do you believe in hell? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I, I, I have one near-death experience that was shown hell, and, uh, but he was t taken up to heaven. And, uh, and shown heaven too, and and he was told that there really is two two different places. Um, but I don't know if if it's us putting us there, you know, because Evan Alexander in his near death experience, he didn't believe in it, anything. He thought because he was a neurosurgeon, and he um, said that once we died, you know, that, that was it. But after he had his near death experience. Um, he said he found himself in a uh, like a sludgy, sludgy wormhole effect, and maybe that's his way of he 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 created this because of not believing that there's more in the afterlife. I don't think God sends you there. Mm -hmm. I think we send ourselves there if we if we feel like we've done wrong. Uh, but every time you hear of somebody saying like he did, he said, "Oh, oh." oh God help me. Then the light came and took him out. So it's, uh, um, I think it's more, we, we do it to ourselves versus because we're all welcome in heaven. That's the message I got that everybody is welcome in heaven and, and we just need to count on it. Yeah, makes sense to me. Yeah. Um, let me see another one here. Do you think children can answer for their parents' lifestyle? whether it's wrong or right. You mean? Uh, I'm, not, I'm not asking if, the question, so it's hard for me to give you what it's saying, but maybe. If they pay it, for it? Like, yeah, I guess you know, like the children can pay for their mistakes. With you mean going generation, you pay for what your parents did? No. No. You know, there's that old saying that something like the sins of the father become the sins of the son or something. No, uh, not, it, not, not really. You, you, they may think that because... Uh, the, the child is following the parents, you know, lifestyles and, uh, but it's not that they're paying for it spiritually at all. Right. Okay. I was getting a clarification. If the parents did something wrong with their life, the children will pay for it, but you're saying it's, no. Yeah. And it's funny that, um, my granddaughter was here one day and when I was taking care of her and, you know, judgment was a big thing in my near-death experience not to judge and she um asked me if she could stir the water uh i was making her macaroni and i said yeah and so she was uh, uh standing there she was standing on a stool at, and stirring it i was keeping a real close eye on her and 
I said something to her and she said, don't judge me. <laughs> Jeez, wow. I said, I'm not judging you. So I, I don't know if they were saying they, they were reminding me not to judge people or not. I kind of, I think about that yeah. all the time now. Yeah. That's a great story. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Before we wrap it up here, do you have one last message for the audience? Um, live your life with love, lift people up, share, uh, tell somebody what they're doing right versus what they're doing wrong. Because our human nature uh, will reach for for more of what you're what you are putting out. So always put out love and reach and and because if you think about it, what uh, how would a situation have been better in your life had somebody shared love versus negativity? So share positivity versus negativity. Negativity. Yeah, that's because love message. is the only thing that matters. That's a great message. All right, Janet. Well, thank you very much for giving me a little bit of your time this evening. I wish you massive success with this book and with your next book. And I wish you the best. Yes. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. All right. Have a great evening. You too. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.